likely, but here in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 25, Isaiah starts and begins to say by this, or say this, he says, To whom will you compare me, and who is my equal? Now, obviously, he is speaking from the perspective of God. He's not talking about himself, but it's the Lord speaking through him. He says, Who will you compare me, and who is my equal? He says, Look up to the heavens. Who created all the stars? He says, he brings them out like an army, one after the other, calling each by its name. He says, because of his great power and his incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. He says, oh, Jacob, how can you say that the Lord does not see your troubles? And oh, Israel, how can you say that God ignores your rights? He says, have you never heard or have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God and the creator of all of the earth. He says that he never grows weary or weak. And, he never, and, and no one can measure the depths of his understanding. Now you have to understand why he writes this this way. is because in the, time, in the time frame in which this was written, it was thought, according to much of the Greek and the Hebrew world, that gods had issues. Like that basically man was created to facilitate everything they didn't want to do. So we were just their little peons so that to keep the gods from getting tired. I mean, if you go and study kind of mythology and all those types of things or look into it really at all, you kind of realize that is that we're here just to serve them and there's no real relationship. And so even here where he talks about that, that the God of all of creation, he never grows tired or weary because that was what their understanding was of God's at the time. And yet here he makes a statement that is completely polar opposite to their understanding of who God is. And he says that God would never grow tired. He would never be weary, that you could never measure the depths. It says that in verse 29, he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Now, these are familiar verses here, but I want to highlight specifically one word. And then I want to share with you some thoughts about it tonight. And it says here in verse 30. Well, let me say this. He says here in verse 29, he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Praise God. Praise God that he does this for us. It goes on here in verse 30. It says, even the young people or even youth will become weary and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. So whether you're young or old, you can still get wore out, right? I think we can all attest to that. But it says here in verse 31, it says, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. So if you're tired, there's good news. You can find new strength. He says, They will soar high on wings like eagles, and they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and will not faint. Now, what I want you to kind of focus on tonight is this. Like I said, this is a familiar passage of Scripture. And many of us can quote this. Some of you, if I were to ask you, probably have that Scripture on a plaque in your wall. I remember we did growing up. You know, we had a little thing, and it was on a, you know, this particular verse. And I can remember what it looked like. I mean, it was gold with a little wood back thing. I mean, I remember all these things about it. Hopefully today it might look a little better in your home than that, than what it's, I got the picture in my mind. But y'all all know what I'm talking about. You've all seen one. But here he begins to discuss, if you will, and, and begin to make a statement. And he opens up by saying, have you not considered who you're talking to. And it's referring to the Lord, obviously. And he says, look, he knows every star by name. Nobody moves without his permission. He calls them by name. Like every night, God gives roll to the star saying, hey, calls them by name. 
where are you at? And then he goes on and he says, you know, he never grows tired and, and weary. And he says even, and basically it just says, look, everybody's going to get tired. But we have a source where we can find new strength. Now this translation says, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Other translations would say it like this, but those who wait upon the Lord will renew or find new strength. So tonight, what I specifically want to talk to you about is waiting. Those who wait on the Lord. Now, you already don't like me because you don't like the word. I really don't like the word because I don't like to wait. I'm impatient. Now, I'm going to give you a different understanding of this word, though, hopefully tonight. Maybe you've heard it like this before. Maybe you haven't. But this was new to me. How about that? When I began to study into this a little bit more, because I've preached this verse many times. And yet there was this new understanding and even this insight that I was gaining as I began to look and to even just begin to uh, seek the Lord about it. In the Amplified Bible of verse uh, 31 here, it says, Those who wait for the Lord, who... uh, who expect and look for and hope in him will gain new strength and will renew their power. It says they will lift up on their wings and rise up close to God like eagles rising towards the sun. It says they will run and not grow and become weary. They will walk and not grow tired. So there's a few elements here is that Isaiah is writing, but he's acknowledging that people are tired. But he says there is a way to change your condition or your situation or your moment. Now here it adds, and I love this, and I'm just going to say this and then I'll get into the rest of it. But I love how the Amplified adds this part. It says that they will lift up um, their wings and rise up close to God. Ultimately, waiting on God is getting close to God. Waiting is not, okay, God, I prayed, let me sit down and wait. Because that's the way that many people treat prayer. It's like you go to a restaurant A waiter comes up and says, what would you like to drink? Oh, I would like some water, please. And let me have some sweet tea as well. Why not? And so what do you do? When you ask for the sweet tea, you don't get up out of your chair and walk back to the kitchen. Right? (laughs) Why? Because you're like, well, that's the waiter's job. He's supposed to go. I mean, like, I'm going to tip you because that's your job. And I have the expectation that you're going to bring me my sweet tea. Not lemonade, sweet tea. I ask for sweet tea, right? I do drink something besides Dr. Pepper, by the way. (laughs) Sweet tea makes the list. And then what happens? What would you like to eat? Well, I'd like this, this, or this, whatever it may be. And then you don't get up and go make the food yourself. And so what do they, they bring you your food. You enjoy the food. They take the plates away. That's their job as a waiter. But that's how many people view God. I place my order and I wait. I wait. I just wait. You ever been to a restaurant where you waited a little too long for your food? And you're like, where did my waiter go? Are they still here? Did they leave? Uh, You know. And many times people get frustrated with God simply because they're waiting for him to show up. Not realizing that they're sitting still. And that's actually not the context of the word. Now I want to give you another word. Well, let me me give you my definition of wait. I read a bunch of different definitions and I just wrote my own. 
So for the context of how we're saying things tonight, this is what I, you know, hey, if you can't find what you want, you just write it, right? So this is kind of a collection, but it's also the way I would define this word that I, could, that I had found. The word wait means to give focus or attention to. Another one is a place of importance or a value. You could say it this way as well, which is to make it a priority. So understanding what the verse is saying here, but those who would wait upon the Lord, those who would wait, well, that means you have an expectation, but it also means that you're giving focus and attention. In other words, there's a drawing close, a drawing near to God. It's not just pray and then God, it's up to you. It's not just I have my confessions and God, it's up to you. That there's an active part for us to do while we wait. It's not just that I said my prayer, I did my confessions, it's over. There is a drawing near to God. Now here's the promise from Scripture, and many of us know this. God promised, if you will draw close to me, if you will draw near to me, he says, I will draw near unto you. See, we can't minimize God's presence in our life, even during the wait. Because the truth of it is, is while we wait, the priority of God's presence needs to go higher. In other words, you know, even what we've been teaching for the last number of weekends now about living by faith. Well, what do you do between your promise and when it shows up? You wait. Well, how do you wait? There is an expectation, but there's also a priority that comes. So, so many times I believe that, and not meaning that we do this, but I believe many times that we simply approach God much like a waiter and we use him for what he will do for us and we miss out on the greatest thing that he can do for us, which is to be in relationship with us. And so our relationship suffers at the cost of what we want or our desire, not realizing that we've actually shortchanged ourselves from the most valuable and precious thing that we can have, which is our connection personally with him. And so even, and I believe that if we can keep our relationship with him right while we're waiting, we don't get as frustrated. I have found that when I get the most frustrated is when I'm waiting, but I'm not really connected with God. I'm saying, God, I'm waiting for you to show up. God, I'm waiting for you to show up. And he's saying, I'm here. Why? Because my answer is more of a priority than my relationship. And that's where it causes problems for me. Now, let me give you another word or definition. This one actually came actually from the Greek. Um, it comes out of the Strong's Concordance. But I thought this was really interesting. And this is the word that really stuck out to me when I was looking into this. And it's the word linger. The word wait means to linger. Anybody not know what lingering means? I remember when me and Dara dated we would linger on the phone. We wouldn't talk. We were half asleep. You there? Yeah. I was asleep, but I'm here. And then I remember, you know, because she lived, you know, 45, 50 minutes away from me, and I would take her home. You know, after we'd go out or hang out with friends or go on a date or do whatever and just didn't want to leave. It's like, oh, it's so nice. And 
I don't really want to make that drive, and so I just kind of linger. And so to be safe, sometimes I just linger too long, and I would just go in Farrell's room, which is her brother, and I'd just sleep in his room. Because I'm like, oh, you know. I just couldn't get enough time with her, right? And then there were times that, you know, we would go shopping, and I would just, she'd be like, you just go in the dressing room. I didn't mind it at all. And it's just a, just anything that I could do to spend more time with her. But something happened in time. And I'm like, look, we're going to go in the mall. We're going to X, Y, and Z. And you got four minutes. Okay? We ain't got time to linger. We got time to go. But see, when I was courting her, dating her, for lack of a better, impressing her, I would just linger. You want to go to the mall? We can stay there all night. You want to go shop? Where you want to go? Doesn't matter. We don't have to do anything. As long as I'm with you, that's all that matters. That's lingering. Them phone calls. We all remember those moments. But given some time, that wears off. That newness, that freshness. Now, I'm not talking about marriage, but this could apply. You, the secret, you know, I'll leave that to Jock and Renee next or whenever, two weeks from now. You might be a little bit of lingering away from the best marriage you've had in a long time. Let me get back on my subject here. Now, I like this. I looked this word up, linger, because I was curious, and I, I love this definition of it. It says to be slow in parting ways. To be slow in parting ways. You know, I remember, uh, this is another funny one, because this really was lingering. Some of you will remember this, but when me and Dara dated, we didn't have high-speed internet. We had dial-up. You couldn't be on the internet and have a phone conversation at the same time. You had to pick. Well, me and Dara were both on AOL back in the day. And they had this little thing called chat, which is like the equivalent of Facebook Messenger. Except the difference was, with Facebook Messenger, you could say, oh, they're typing to me, and bing, it pops up like in a, just 10 seconds. On AOL, you'd wait five minutes, 10 minutes. You'd be sitting at the keyboard doing nothing, just waiting. Oh, what's she going to say? <laughs> just couldn't wait. Be on there all night long and say like three things, you know. Just lingering, waiting. Why? Because there was an expectation. Couldn't see her, couldn't hear her, but man, she's over there. Somebody... She better be over there anyways. <laughs> Quit talking to everybody else. Talk to me. They don't matter. It's taking forever. What are you doing? You there? Yeah. You ever type that? Yeah. I did that a lot. You there? Where are you at? Just sitting there lingering. David, what are you doing on the computer all the time? You playing games? No, I don't play no games. I'm talking to Dara. Don't you have a phone for that? Yeah, we ran out of minutes. Back then they charged you long distance minutes too. So you had to. So it was every means necessary. It didn't matter how long it took me to drive. I'd drive to her house, pick her up, drive her back to town, hang out all night, drive her back home. I'd spend more time driving than I did with her. But it was worth it. We, we were lingering. Now, 
sometimes, and I, I believe that there's a misunderstanding maybe uh, for you in this, and this is what really uh, the main, one of the main things that I want you to catch tonight, is that we in our mind sometimes, and, and I've just, I've talked to too many people to know that this isn't true in a lot of people's life, is that even the idea of lingering, so you mean I need to go in my prayer closet and I need to pray for however long and then I just need to wait. Just get quiet before the Lord and just wait. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. There's times I do that. I would encourage you. If all you ever do is pray and then run out, maybe you need to take a moment and linger in your prayer closet. You don't need to, it's not fast food. You don't run in, run out, and the quicker they do it, the better. You know, I mean, it's not that. But sometimes there is just a linger element to it, but not always. Because sometimes we can have the thought or the idea that if I would just spend more time in my effort to get God to work, He's going to reward my effort with what I'm asking. Now, I want to show you one quick example of someone who lingered in Scripture. And ultimately, ultimately it led to promotion. But it wasn't just hanging around the right people, doing the right things. And I want to show you, it's in Exodus 33, just a couple verses here. This is actually the account of Joshua, who was ultimately the successor to Moses. And here in Exodus 33, verse 7, it says that Moses' practice, or it was Moses' practice, so in other words, this was his habit, it's what he normally did. To take the tent of meeting and set it up at a distance away from the camp. It says everyone who wanted to make a request uh, uh, of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside of the camp. So you got a prayer request? Meet me at the tent. That's basically, that would be the modern translation. It says in verse 8 though. It says whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand at the entrances of their own tent. It says they would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. Said as he went into the tent, a pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while Moses spoke with, or while the Lord spoke with Moses. Says when the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. It says in, in verse eleven, it says inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. So this is obviously a very intimate moment. To this point, it's just Moses and God, and everybody else is watching from a distance. But the second part of the verse gives us a little picture into this moment that I find pretty fascinating, but I believe it's what qualified Joseph, or I'm sorry, Joshua, to be the successor to Moses. And it says, after or afterward, Moses would return to the camp. But the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. Moses would go and meet with God and talk with God. And it sounds like Moses is alone. Except that Joshua was there with him. And even after Moses left that place, Joshua would linger in the presence of God. It doesn't say that when Moses left, God left. So it doesn't say that. It just says that when Moses entered, God showed up. But even when Moses would leave, Joshua would stay in that place and linger in the presence of God. Now this specifically, we see that he actually committed time to this. But I believe that what qualified Joshua to be the 
the, in a sense, the heir apparent to Moses was his willingness and his desire to connect with God personally. Everybody else stood at a distance and would kneel from a distance. Everybody else watched from a distance. But Joshua said, I want to be close to the action. I want to see God move. I want to hear his voice. I don't want to just have Moses recite to me what God said. I want to hear it from me. And I believe that what happened is that Joshua didn't just catch the role of Moses. He caught the heart for God of Moses. And that's what qualified him. And it all started because, what? He hung around the presence of God. A couple of verses, Isaiah 64, verse 4. It says, For since the world began, no eye has heard and no eye has seen a God like you, who works for those who wait for Him. Since the beginning of the earth, no one has seen, no one has heard a God who works On behalf of those who... It's Isaiah 64, verse 4. The world has never seen a God who would work for those who would linger. It's the same meaning, same word. Those who would wait. They would linger in the presence of God. Isaiah 27, verse 14 says, Wait patiently for the Lord. It says, Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Now here's what. So I, I told you earlier. One of the things that I wanted you to catch. Was the. the um, just the idea of lingering. Of staying in that. Con- you know just like I was talking about with Dara. Is that when we were dating. I wasn't just trying to impress her. I was trying to win her over. There's a difference. And I would do things. That I would not do by myself. But I did it. Because I wanted to. See, here's the difference in lingering. Because you can go, like as I've already said, you can go into your prayer place, wherever that is. For me, it's my office. We call it the upper room because it's upstairs. It's fitting. That's what I refer to it as. It's biblical and all. I need to put a sign on it. But see, I can approach that in two different ways. I can approach that, that area, that space, that place that I have dedicated to where I study and I pray and, you know, my quiet place, if you will. But there are two ways, because, and I actually mean, like I said, it's actually upstairs. So I can even approach that stairway in a certain manner. Am I doing this out of duty? Because it's my job? Because it's my role? Because it's necessary? Or am I doing it because I want to? There's a big difference. See, when, when me and Dara were still, you know, we dated for four years and so, but there were lots of things. I went to a ballet. I don't go to ballets. I don't know anything about ballets. She wanted me to go, so I went. But see, all those things that I used to want to do, and we've even had conversations about, you know, I mean, obviously we've been married for 14 years. Things have changed a little bit in 14 years. We dated for four years, so we've actually been together for 18 years. That's a little bit of time. And and I remember, I don't remember, it was years ago now, but we had the conversation and she said, you just don't want to do the things that you wanted, that you used to want to do with me. I'm like, you're right, I don't. I never wanted to do them. But when we were dating, I did want to do it. 
See, the attitude is different. And so really the defining factor of waiting is this. It's the difference of want to and have to. See, sometimes we will pursue God and even the things that we're asking for him and seeking him to do in our life from the have to. Because if I don't, God won't answer. If I don't spend whatever predetermined time that you feel like is the right thing or the right amount, whatever it is, and it's the have to. Have you ever had somebody help you just out of obligation? And what are they doing the whole time? They're, oh, I got to go. I put my time in. I returned the favor. You helped me, I helped you, but I only had to help you for 10 minutes. I've been here for an hour. But it's totally different when somebody just volunteers and says, hey, I'm going to come help you with this or that. They want to be there. It's a big difference. Now, this is totally unrelated to this. Well, it is and it isn't. Because I've been in leadership at various levels, I'll just use this as a, when I was a youth pastor. Now, the principle still stays the same. And this isn't about me. It's just a principle that is true, really about anybody. If you have to be around somebody, you have limited their ability for you to learn from them. Let me put it in spiritual terms. When you have to be around somebody, the level of impartation is limited. When you want to be around somebody, the impartation that can come into your life is much greater. Because it's a want to, it's a heart position. I remember, you know, like um, Pastor Rob Floyd, who I've had minister, he was my youth pastor. I mean, I'm not a morning person. But I remember when I was, I've been saved probably a year. It was my senior year of high school. And our church was building. We had, long story, but they had a TV station, sold it for a crazy amount of money that we didn't have in it. And so we started building buildings. We, I mean, we had always met in a small room for our youth. And then they're like, we're going to build a gymnasium. I was like, praise God, we're going to have some room. We're going to have like a space of our own and all these different things. Well, he would tell me, hey, I need you to meet me at the church at 6 o'clock in the morning. And you know what? I would be there. I might be asleep in the truck when he drove up, but I was there. I'm talking about morning after morning after morning. Why? Because he needed help, but I wanted the time. Let me say it another way. I wanted the access to him. Because I knew that he was pivotal in my life. Because I knew I didn't know Jack. I grew up in church, but I didn't know squat. And so I found a way to linger. Now, I didn't say, hey, can I set up a special meeting? I just said, hey, what are you doing? I'm going to come do it with you. You know, and I've seen through the, through the years where I've had young people that were there doing things because they had to. Oh, we're doing a fundraiser. If you come, you know, because I had the rule, you had to be there when it started and you couldn't leave early. If it was going to count and you were going to get money for it, you had to come and stay. You know, and so that was just my rule. That's just the way it was. And, uh, you know, so that's just, that's just the way it was. And there were kids who would come and would do what they had to do, and then they would leave. But then there were others who would just stick around. Well, you know, they got to be a part of conversations that the others didn't. I mean, like where they had questions about God. They'd heard me preach a lot, but they probably learned more in conversation than they did from preaching. That's lingering. Now, I'm not telling you to do that with me. That's not what I'm saying. 
But in practical terms, though, people are like, oh, I want to spend some time with you. Great. I'm busy. Come on. Come jump in the truck with me. But I'm going to go and do something because I got stuff that I need to do or fix or whatever it may be. But there's a difference in the attitude, and I can pick up on it almost immediately. And here's one of the differences in it. Is that when you're just there out of obligation, really what you're there for is you. When you're there because you just want to be around, you're there for them. Those who wait upon the Lord. Lord, I'm not here for me. I'm here in this moment for you. I mean, talk about kind of flipping the whole paradigm, the whole thought process. Is God, I don't need you to minister to me this morning. I want to minister to you. The Bible says that we've been made a kingdom and a priest unto God. Well, what do priests do? Priests minister, right? Well, I didn't say the pastors are the priests. It says that you, us, all of us, have been created as a new people, a a holy, royal priesthood unto God. So even during my wait, I still have a job, which is to what? Minister to the Lord. How do I minister to the Lord? I spend time and I linger with Him. And when I linger, I learn. I mean, I've seen it too many times in my life. I need a word from God. I need God to speak. I need God to give me direction or something. It never fails. I'll spend all kinds of time praying, all kinds of time in the word. I don't ever get an answer. That's not always the case, but I spend all this time just lingering in my prayer closet. I get up and I walk to the fridge and God speaks to me at the fridge. I'm like, Lord, that's my place where you're supposed to talk to me. I just came down here to get something to drink. Or just going about my day-to-day life and God, all of a sudden, something drops in my heart and I know it's the Lord. I mean, I'll give you an example of this. And I've shared this story, so I won't go into all the details, but we were celebrating our church's 25th anniversary in Kansas. And we'd been praying about what we were going to do. We had some things, different options. And so I was driving down the road and the Lord dropped into my heart. We're supposed to raise $100,000. Now, to put it in context, that was 20% of the budget of our church. And we were going to do this without our pastor knowing it. So I go to the people in the, in the story that are, that are part of it, and I said, you know, everybody's kind of throwing out their ideas. Well, this is what I think we could do, and this. And I said, we, I, I believe the Lord put $100,000 in my heart. Everybody in the room said, we can't do that. We've never done anything like that. We can't raise $5,000. I mean, it's just really was, they were like, we love your naivety, but there ain't no way. And next week I'm driving. I'm like, Lord, I believe that was you. I've been praying, saying, Lord, you've got to give me a thought. You've got to give me something. And I'm, I'm telling you, I wasn't, I wasn't praying. I don't know what I was. I was just in my own little world. Also, I'm just driving down the road. Just dropped in my heart. That's 250 people giving $400. I said, that can't be right. I'm trying to do the math in my head. I'm like, that's too many zeros. Let me get my phone out. I did the math. 250 people giving $400. You have $100,000. 
We did it in just under six months without our pastor knowing. Crazy. Crazy. I mean, just unbelievable. Everybody said it couldn't be done except for that God spoke. Well, you know, when God speaks, something happens. I'm not saying if, you know, I mean, that was in now, you know, that was a unique moment. But it didn't just come and it didn't just happen because we were smart or we were wise or we marketed this or did that. It was totally God. Everything about it was totally God. I mean, it was one of the coolest things I've ever got to be a part of. We paid off a building. We had, you know, we had all kinds of money. It was awesome. I mean, I was standing there with $100,000 in checks. That was pretty cool. That was a cool moment to hand my pastor and say, hey, here's the deed to the building. We paid it off. Here's an offering for you. Here's money in reserve to do whatever the heck you want to do. What an honor. But it all came back to what? God didn't speak to me just because I ran in and said, God, help me. I was doing what Joshua did. I just lingered. I hung out in the place of meeting with God. But there's another element to this. And it does have to do with the, it's what I said, when you have to, it's ultimately for you. I mean, when you're doing, returning the favor, well, ultimately you're repaying what you needed. So the only reason you're returning the favor is because you already got your good deal of the, of the bargain, of, of the swap, if you will. So you're only there at obligation. But when you want to be there, your heart's different. You're not checking the clock. How long I got? What I got to do? What's the least? I, it doesn't matter. The priority is different. Now, I believe, that, I believe that there is an element of lingering that, yes, we get along with the Lord. We go and spend time. But sometimes it's just getting away. One of the things on my soon-to-do list is I'm going to get away and go fish. Why? Because I'm going to go get quiet, and I don't want to hear nobody, and I don't want to hear nothing other than a river rolling. Because that does good for my heart. That just works for me. But it's amazing how clearly I can hear from God in that moment. Because all the other distraction isn't there but how do you have those moments in a busy week I mean I have a life you have a life there's things going on I don't always have a a nice flowing river with nobody else around nobody in sight some of you are like man that's scary I love it I want to read you a verse and I believe this is because there is an element of, yeah, we get away, we spend time with the Lord, we, we invest that time. But there's also, what do you do in the busy times? And this is, comes out of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. The Apostle Paul is writing and says, so be careful how you live. You can say it this way, so pay attention how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. So we can live foolish or we can live wise. It says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Make the most of every opportunity. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what God wants you to do. It says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Verse 19, and this is what I believe is so practical. Singing songs, 
and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves. It says in making music. Other translations say make a melody to the Lord in your heart. Making a melody, making a song in your heart. It says give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't always have the ability to escape people. You don't always have the ability to escape people, to escape responsibilities. You got work, you got to go, you got things you got to do. But it doesn't mean that I can't linger while I work. This is something that the Lord really taught me very early on in my walk with Him. Is I could work and spend time with Him. And I would just begin to sing. Not out loud, not some... Just a melody in my heart. And I would invite God into those moments that I was working. Not in some strange, weird way. But I would just say, God, you're here. I see in your word, it says you're everywhere. And there's been times I'm like, Lord, I'm wore out. I'm tired. I'm tired of working. I'm tired of dealing with these boneheads. I'm tired of dealing with all this stuff. And I need some strength. And I can't run to the prayer closet. I get fired if I do that. I need a job. I need income. So what do I do? I start making a melody. I start that song in my heart. So what am I really doing in that moment by doing that? I'm making a priority to God's presence. I'm placing that demand upon God's anointing in my life. God, you said that if I would wait, that I would find new strength. So God, I'm going to linger in this moment. Not that I'm going to stop what I'm doing. Maybe it's at home. Wherever it may be. You may be at home making dinner. I mean, I, I, I watch my mom do this a lot. She's a musician, and so she was always playing and singing. and She'd be in there making dinner. Just singing. Mom, what are you doing? I'm oh, just making dinner. But she's in there fellowshipping with the Lord. I, I watched it firsthand. You don't always get to set aside responsibilities or what you have to do. But what, it, what we do need to do is this, is that we have to make a priority to have an attitude that, of one who lingers. We want that, that heart of Joshua, one who just hangs around. Why? Because I'm not trying to get something. I want an impartation from God. Let me say it another word. I don't want to just get the answer to my prayer. I want to get a deposit of God's Spirit that takes me to a new place in my walk with Him. That I know Him at a deeper, more intimate level. I'm not just trying to get my prayers answered quicker or faster or better or whatever it may be. I want to know Him more intimately and personally every day. And I want to walk closer with Him tomorrow than I have today. And, and I have found time and time and time again. That the only way that that happens is that when I make that decision, God, I make a priority. I want to engage with you in this moment. I invite you into this moment. I, I want to just linger, if you will, in your presence. Regardless of what I'm doing is irrelevant. Because God's not limited by time, space, position, place, whatever. If I'm there, He's there. And it is that attitude of, God, I'm not here for me in this moment. That's the difference. God, I don't want anything. I want to connect with you. I want to love you. I want to minister to you. 
And if we get that focus, you don't have to worry about those prayer things that you've been praying about and praying about and praying about. Why? Because they'll just start working themselves out because God's going to say, oh, they figured something out. There's amazing power when you linger. There's amazing wisdom when you linger. You've been praying, trying to get an answer, trying to get an answer. All right, so you get that attitude of Joshua. God, I'm going to hang out here. Let me minister to you. Let me make you the priority in this moment. And God will begin to speak to you. God will begin to stir up in you. You find that freshness in your relationship with God. Some of you may just be stale in your relationship with the Lord. And the difference is at one time, you were like me when me and Dara were dating. I just, oh, I just want to be with you, spend time with you. And When you first got saved, you were the same way. I was the same way. When I first got really, if you will, when my eyes first got open, I couldn't read the Bible enough. I couldn't spend enough time in God's prayer. I'm like, man, I don't want to go out and hang out with people. That's dumb. My appetite had completely changed. But then after walking with the Lord for a while, it just became a whole lot of work that I did for Him and not a whole lot of relationship. And yet the relationship is what sustains any and everything else. If that's not right, nothing else matters. You can do the same. If you're married, you know you can do the exact same thing in your marriage. You become roommates instead of intimate covenant relationship but you got to be intentional so here's my question for you tonight we're going to worship just for a few moments here I want to give you a moment just to let the Lord speak to your heart I don't want to you know we get busy and we rush and like okay well, you know but I want to give you some time here for the Lord to speak to your heart but I'm going to have a question then we'll let these up here lead us in worship for a few moments but here's my question for you tonight who's going to make it your aim to linger a bit more Not just in this moment, but tomorrow. You got to linger.